0: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This is the best of OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio.
2: Well, I guess the Patriots aren't going 19-0. Welcome to the NFL season. Huge upset. The Kansas City Chiefs go on the road as basically a double-digit underdog and in the second half deliver an absolute beatdown to the New England Patriots. Uh, 42-27 win, and if you look at the box score and start to go through things, Alex Smith, virtually perfect. Tom Brady looked basically average. Uh, The Chiefs find another big-time playmaker outside of the very beginning of the draft, Kareem Hunt from out of Toledo, comes in and scores three times, carries the ball 17 times for 148 yards, and also has nearly 100 yards receiving between him and Tyreek Hill. They make a lot of plays, and all of a sudden, the Kansas City Chiefs, who I think a lot of people believed were kind of almost in a rebuilding mode after the way that they let guys go, uh, drafted a new quarterback, everybody kind of of the belief that maybe Alex Smith has past his prime, and then they go on the road in Gillette Stadium as the Patriots are celebrating another World Series, sorry, another World Series, another World Championships, coming back from the 28-3 to deficit in the Super Bowl, and punch them right in the mouth. And they do it despite the fact that the Patriots got up early right i mean the patriots were up 17 to 7 seemed early on in that game like they were just going to totally put it away uh they were going for it at fourth and a yard get stopped looked like they were close to going up 14 to nothing and then i bet there's a lot of you right now waking up hearing this news saying wow really that happened really you went to bed there was a a, a good spot felt like the chiefs were in total control and then bang Everything falls apart. Now, a couple of things worth thinking about. Back in 2014, the Patriots went on the road against the Chiefs and lost 41-14. to They went on to win the Super Bowl that year. Alex Smith had a nearly perfect game then, too. Why does that matter? Well, it's always instructive that, in particular, when it comes to the NFL, anything can happen in a one-week setting right? So is this a reflection of some larger issue that the Patriots have, or is it just an aberrational outcome that will not stand alone, and we'll look back on it and say, boy, that was really kind of a weird outcome, just like we do back on that 2014 game, and a lot of you may remember that game, because the easy reaction to that one was, man, maybe Brady's passed his prime, I remember Bill Belichick being asked if Tom Brady was still his starter in the wake of that game, probably the worst game the Patriots have played in the last five years. Maybe one of the worst games the Patriots have played since dating all the way back to then to now, right? Maybe in the last three years, the two worst games they have played could be against the Chiefs, that 41-14 loss, and now this one. So I think, one, you know, the big takeaway is just welcome to the NFL where truly anything can happen. This is maybe the best thing that could happen for the NFL coming into the start of the season because if the Patriots had come in and dominated, then I think a lot of people would have rolled their eyes and said, well, here we go again. Patriots are going to win another Super Bowl. Uh, the question becomes, are the Patriots going to be able to go 19-0? To I mean, remember, there was a lot of talk in Boston about the idea that the Patriots might go 19-0. So with Tom Brady turning 40 years old, With the Patriots coming out and looking really awful in the second half, the Chiefs looked remarkable. Is the storyline here that the Chiefs were underrated, that the Patriots were overrated, or is it just an NFL weekend when anything can happen, go ahead and move on if you're the Patriots and you're the Chiefs, but we're probably still going to end up with roughly the same outcome that we anticipated before. Which is the Chiefs come out and go around eight and eight, uh, and the Patriots end up going around twelve and four or thirteen and three, right? I mean, the over under for the Chiefs I think was 12 twelve and a half. I mean, sorry for the for the Patriots was 12 twelve and a half. So you're feeling pretty good if you got that. But at the end of the season, we're sitting at thirteen and three for the Patriots and eight and eight for the Chiefs. Nothing really has changed overall relative to what our expectations might have been. Now, I know, again, it's tempting. It's tempting to try to look at this game and divine overall outcomes for the entire year, but I just am not willing to do that, and in particular, because I'm thinking about that 2014 game where I remember specifically thinking, oh, maybe, maybe the Patriots really are finally starting to age a little bit. Maybe Tom Brady doesn't still have his fastball and then the Patriots continue to win the Super Bowl that year. Uh, and end up being a dominant team on the horizon of the NFL for every year since then as well. So we know how good Brady and Belichick have been. We know how rare it has been for them to lose at home at Gillette Stadium, especially lose at home when they go into halftime with the lead, and especially, I would say, lose in a way like this, where it wasn't as if it were totally flukish. They gave up a ton of yards. They gave up over 500 yards of offense to the Kansas City Chiefs, 537 yards. The Chiefs averaged 8.3 yards per play. Alex Smith dropped over 350 yards passing. So again, I mean, a lot of yards rushing too. So I I think that's where you would probably be a little bit nervous. Uh, Let's bring in the crew. Jason Martin, if I told you right now Big story, non-story, that the Patriots lose in week one. Let's pretend we're talking at the end of the season. Is this a memorable loss that is a harbinger of things to come, or is it just an aberrational event that happens in the NFL regularly where, like we say, on any given Sunday, or in this case, on any given Thursday night, it's truly probable or possible that anything can happen.
4: Well, I think it's more of the latter. I think that at the end of the season, we're not likely to look at this as, well, this game was certainly foreboding for the Patriots. I do think that we could look at it instructively towards the Chiefs at the end of the season because I think that was more the story to me coming out of the game because they had lost some people. They had lost some people in the front office as well, moving a general manager that was popular at the time and drafting a new quarterback and who knows what was going to happen with Alex Smith. And... A lot of teams that make the playoffs one year, the next year they drop off, especially ones that fail to reach the Super Bowl. There's always turnover in the NFL. But the origin of any given Sunday was the NFL. And let's not forget this Chiefs team was an awfully good football team last year that had a lot of talent, even with some injuries on the defensive side of the ball that were back last night. And unfortunately, Eric Berry goes down last night and that's going to hurt them going forward. But for the New England Patriots, We knew that we were not obviously going to see Julian Edelman, and they took another loss right before the end of the preseason when they lost another star for a significant amount of time. So I honestly think that this Thursday night opener for the NFL is always sort of strange anyway. Like I know they play on Thursdays. Every team does once a season. But to open it up on a Thursday by yourself – It's just kind of a different environment. So I'm not going to read too much into the New England Patriots losing because they didn't lose to a terrible football team, first of all. They lost to one that was in the playoffs last year. Uh, They lost to one that got hot and played very, very well last night, had a rookie running back that, look, that kid looks like he could be an absolute stud, and they've got some serious playmakers on the offensive side of the football. So I think that that might be the biggest takeaway, at least to me, is I don't think we're going to look back at the end of the season – and think, well, the sky was falling from the very beginning for the New England Patriots. But we might be thinking, hey, this Kansas City Chiefs team, we probably should have known they were good because of what they did in week one. That that was my thought.
2: Let's bring in the crew in L.A., Danny G. and, uh, and Justin. Does this tell us anything about the Patriots, or is my analogy of their loss to this same Kansas City Chiefs team back in 2014 where everybody said, oh, my God, The Patriots are done. Tom Brady's finished. And uh, that was a 41-14 loss they had back in 2014. And then from that point forward, they're basically flawless the rest of the season. Which one do you think this is? Is this an aberration or is this a harbinger of bad things to come for the Patriots?
3: Well, Clay, I I blame an awkward Mark Wahlberg for this loss. That uh, open wasn't over the top, though, until those strange-looking mascots came running out of the tunnel. I, I think you made a good point with what happened in 2014 in 14 because so many radio hosts were oh my gosh the sky's falling and of course all of us NFL fans who have had to you know especially in the AFC West suffer through really bad losses against the Patriots were like yeah they're they're not done yet so uh, it's too early to count anybody out right now especially the Patriots but the Chiefs are that good. Obviously, being a Raiders fan, I spend most of my time watching and studying all the teams in the AFC West. The Chiefs are loaded. They are a well-put-together squad. You mentioned everybody on their offense. How about Justin Houston on there? D, he deserves a lot of credit. Unfortunately, they lost Eric Berry, and it looks like he's going to be out for the rest of the season. That that dude can't catch a break, right? Um,
2: yeah, that's, that's awful. I, I know Eric Berry. When I wrote my second book uh, called On Rocky Top, Eric Berry was, I believe, a sophomore Oh, Tennessee at the University yep. of Tennessee. Yep. Yeah, so uh, I spent some time covering him, and uh, everybody just is, you know, everybody around the Tennessee program then and now just speaks as highly as they possibly can about him, and you're right. I mean, the guy come, overcomes cancer. Now uh, it appears may well have torn his ACL, just a genuinely good guy in the NFL that is well-liked by everybody around him. But yeah, no, that is a, uh, that's a, that's a big loss for the chiefs. But uh, Justin, what do you think? Is this, is there any reason for Patriots fans to hit the panic button?
4: I wouldn't say hit the panic button. Um, I'm not really concerned about, about Tom Brady and, and you bring up a perfect reason why a perfect example. Yeah. Granted that was a, a few years ago at this point, but I don't. I don't think you gotta worry about him yet, but I would worry a little bit about the the defense. Uh, I mean, I know they've got some explosive playmakers like Tyreek Hill on the Chiefs, but it just it didn't look like they had any answers a lot of the time. So that might be something to worry about.
2: It is uh, really kind of fascinating how so many th- how things can change so quickly. I think most people would say. As long as Tom Brady doesn't get hurt, the Patriots are willing to withstand and able to withstand pretty much any injury. But this is what makes the NFL so damn entertaining, is that at any moment in time, things can change almost overnight. And certainly the Patriots are a prohibitive favorite to win the Super Bowl. But man, I mean, to get popped like they did in Gillette. To start the season, be sure
1: to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
2: I have got a big article up on Outkick.com, OutkickTheCoverage.com, my website, breaking down the Michael Bennett case. And I would encourage you guys to go read it. I wanted to hit this because we had some additional news that came out. Uh, First of all, yesterday I did my Periscope breaking down this entire case. We talked about this some yesterday morning, uh, but I do an afternoon show on Periscope and Facebook Live, and nearly 60,000 of you have watched uh, that show from yesterday just on Periscope. So if you're intrigued and want to know what I think is the most honest analysis of this entire story, then I'd encourage you to go there. If you don't remember Michael Bennett. Uh, a couple days ago, said that he had been the victim of racial profiling after the Mayweather McGregor fight when there was reported shots fired in a Las Vegas casino. He ended up handcuffed, detained for 10 minutes. And a lot more information has since come out. We've got videos. I've linked all those videos from inside. Uh, Michael Bennett's own attorney has said that race wasn't a factor in his arrest. Uh, And this is important because you're probably not going to hear this news anywhere else because the sports media is so in the tank for Michael Bennett that they don't actually accurately report on the news. And there was a letter written, and I got to give props to the Las Vegas Police Department uh, for uh, the, their police union for sticking up for the uh, for the individuals, the officers involved in this case, and in particular, the letter says. And this letter came out yesterday afternoon. Uh, as uh, as as our uniformed office you can see this on video. The video is up at OutKick.com. You can go check it out. As our uniformed officers entered the casino, they observed Bennett hiding behind a slot machine. When officers turned towards Bennett, he bolted out of the casino, leapt over a four-foot wall, and hid from officers as he crouched close to the wall on the sidewalk. The letter continues. I am sure your attorney, and this is the Las Vegas Police Union uh, uh, letter, uh, on behalf of the uh, officers here who have been accused of being racist, I'm sure your attorney will tell you our officers had reasonable suspicion, which is the constitutional standard to detain Bennett until they could determine whether he was involved in the shooting. Our officers, who are both minorities, had the legal right and obligation to detain Bennett based upon the nature of the call and Bennett's unusual and suspicious actions. Our officers did not detain Bennett because he was, quote, a black man in the wrong place at the wrong time. That is what Michael Bennett alleged. Michael Bennett's claim that our officers are racist is false and offensive to the men and women of law enforcement. We hope you will take appropriate action against Michael Bennett. Now we know that Michael Bennett is lying. We know for a fact that Michael Bennett is lying when he says he was detained because he was black. That's clearly not the case. He was detained because he was hiding from police when they approached him. He ran and he refused their orders to stop. Even Michael Bennett's own attorney has now acknowledged that race had nothing to do with his detention. Furthermore, the allegation that the police officers were racist—it's uh, undercut a little bit by the fact that the two officers arresting him were minorities. Now, it—you know, like, look, I'm not saying that minorities can be racist too. But I think it certainly undercuts Michael Bennett's suggestion that this was based on racism. Furthermore, police say they explained exactly why they detained him because they were working an active shooter investigation and they were afraid that he might be involved in this crime because of the way he behaved. He was hiding from them, and then when they turned towards him, he leapt up and took off and refused their orders to stop. If you watch this video you will see that these police officers were incredibly brave. They entered a casino with weapons drawn in a dangerous situation, and the vast majority of the people inside of the casino are black. So the idea from Michael Bennett that somehow the police were showing up and randomly deciding to grab a black guy because of his race just frankly doesn't stand up to any kind of reasonable examination such that Michael Bennett's own attorney who has made a living in civil rights law, acknowledges that there is absolutely no truth to Michael Bennett's suggestion that his race was the reason why he was singled out. He was hiding from police, got up, ran. I mean, I haven't heard anybody ask. I mean, I think a lot of the the situation could be resolved. Was Michael Bennett drunk? Was he on some sort of substance? Uh, You know, look, he's out late hours in Las Vegas. I've been out late hours in Las Vegas. Most of the time, there was at least alcohol in my bloodstream, right? That's not uncommon when you're in Las Vegas and it's after midnight. So this idea that Michael Bennett was of entirely sound mind, we don't know. Maybe if he'd had some alcohol, that would explain a little bit his behavior, which frankly seems to be erratic. And uh, and and again, this these details, now that they've come out, I think make it very clear that Michael Bennett is not being honest, not being truthful in his statement that received so much tension. So we know he's lying about two things. He might have been lying about two more things. He says a police officer threatened to blow his brains out. Well, there's audio of his arrest. And again, it's up on outkick.com. You can listen to the audio in the background. There's no officer saying that he's going to blow his brains out. Now, maybe that audio happened before the audio of the arrest started to run, but certainly it's not there. And uh, anyway, that uh, that is not working in his favor. And there's no evidence that a police officer held a gun to his head. In the images and video that we have here, there is a stun gun, what appears to be a taser, in the hand of the police officer. Now, the police officer certainly when they were in the casino, had their weapons drawn, but that's because they were responding to a call for uh, a violent action because they were told that there was a shooting going on or had been a shooting at the casino. So all of the police officers, the men and the women, uh, the minorities, the white people, everybody who was a police officer in this situation who went into the casino had their weapons drawn already because they were afraid they might be going in to a shootout kind of situation. So as all these details have come out, I think it's clear when you look at all the evidence, and I would encourage you to go read my article at OutKick.com, that Michael Bennett was lying and that he's now been caught in a lie. And the fact that people out there are in the, in the sports media are not covering this aggressively now is kind of evidence of how biased they are. Everybody covers it when it looks like, oh, the police are racist because they want that story to be true, by and large, in the sports media. As soon as it comes out and it looks like, man, the police didn't do anything at all wrong here. Michael Bennett just told a lie on them. Credit to the police union for returning fire here when they made up a lie. And I look forward to the over 120 different versions, according to the police officers, of video in this case for it to all come out so that we can tell 100% what I believe is already the case, which is Michael Bennett was lying. Let's bring in the crew Jason Martin, I'm assuming you've read the article. You've certainly seen the news that has come out since yesterday's show. Are you alongside of me in agreement here that the police didn't do anything wrong and that Michael
4: Bennett is lying? The first part, yes. The second part, I don't want to say he's lying because I don't think he knowingly necessarily was lying from the very beginning. I think that when this thing happened he may have jumped to an erroneous conclusion. And since that point, it's possible that he's actually figured out that he's wrong and he's not willing to actually come out and do that, which is damning if indeed that's true. But there's certainly a lot of things that are still left to be cleared up on both sides of the issue. And just like I looked at Michael Bennett's statement, and I wasn't willing to just take it completely at face value, and I don't think anybody should have in that situation – I feel the same way about the statement that came out yesterday. Like I just I want this I want to see more of this story. I want to hear more about this story. It's very unfortunate that the officer that handcuffed him did not have his body camera on. That would have certainly cleared this up a lot more. But like I said, I don't think there was knowing deceit in the early stages of this for Michael Bennett. So I think lying is a little bit further than I'm willing I to think go. He, I, think I, just think definitely I think he's wrong. I think he's wrong. I think he's definitely
2: wrong. lying. He said that he what didn't have Nobody at the police talked to him about why he was detained. And I think we're going to get the video of the police right after they detained him saying, look, the reason why we stopped you was because you ran from us and we were worried in an active shooter investigation, your behavior was suspicious. I think they sat down with Michael Bennett. They have video of them saying that. And he said that they never told him.
4: At its baseline level, that's a lie. How stupid would Michael Bennett be not to know that that was going to come out? Stupid. I'm not suggesting it's not. I'm just saying, like that. If that's true, then that's that's certainly a lie, and I think that's certainly the most likely outcome in terms of the th- of the things that have come out. I think his reaction to the situation initially is what drove everything, and I'm sure but he probably I, I would talked understand. to a group of folks that then immediately pointed to it and said, "Yep, that was an incident. That was racial profiling." I would
2: understand that more if he had done it if he had immediately come out. He had ten days to wait after this incident happened to decide to think about it before he decided to put out this statement. And when you put out a statement like that, like Michael Bennett did, what you're effectively doing is, and this is this is what I find most disappointing about this, if you are Michael Bennett and you are arguing that you're trying to make the world a better place, first of all, you're a liar, all right? I want you to go read outkick.com, read my breakdown of this case. He is lying, all right? If you are lying about this, it's one thing if you lie about something that involves only you, right? Right? People do that every day. It's unfortunate. You'd like for people to be honest, but people lie every day. It's another thing when you lie about a situation like this, which is fraught with so much controversy right now, minority and police relations. Michael Bennett is making the world a more dangerous place for police and for minorities and for people like you and me because it puts police on edge and it puts everybody else on edge interacting with them And it reinforces what I think is the biggest lie of the 21st century, which is that police are out there trying to harm minorities. I know way too many police all over this country listening to us right now, putting their lives on the line every single day, protecting the lives of minorities all day long. And when Michael Bennett comes out with lies like these, he makes their job more difficult and... He encourages kids not to respect police authority. In every interaction with police that ends up going awry and ending violently, they could almost all of them, 99.99999% have never happened if the person had just listened to police. And I get on my soapbox right now, there's a lot of kids who listen, driving into school, going to high school, going to middle school, with your parents in the car, you're on your way to to start your day. If your parents aren't telling it to you, I will tell it to you. Listen to the police. Four words, so simple. If you feel like your rights are being violated, you can get an attorney afterwards. Do what police say. Just listen to them. I don't know where we ended up in this strange universe where people are like, oh, maybe I'll listen to the police, maybe I won't. Respect the fact that they have a badge, that they are there, and that they are in a position of authority. Do what they say. I'm an attorney. I can tell you, sometimes police officer might tell you to do something that you don't agree with. You guys know me. I'm really opinionated. But your obligation as a citizen is to obey the commands of a police officer. If you do that, you will be fine. You've got nothing to fear. Do what they say. And when Michael Bennett comes out with a story like this, he's encouraging kids to do the exact opposite. He's saying, don't listen to police officers. Don't trust them. They're racist. And his entire story has fallen apart. It's a mountain of lies. If you want to read it, ask yourself this question. Why is Outkick one of the only places that didn't immediately get in line behind Michael Bennett saying, oh, poor Michael Bennett. What a brave guy he is. It's all crap. He's a liar, and he's been caught in his lies, and he should be ashamed of himself, and I'm not going to trust anything that Michael Bennett says going forward at all because I think he's a fraud. Be sure
1: to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3
2: a.m. Pacific. Joined now by John Morosi, still gloating over his Wolverines big-time beatdown of the Florida Gators. Congrats, my man.
1: Clay
5: was a little dicey in the first half with those uh, back-to-back pick sixes from Wilton Spate, but uh, Jim Harbaugh knows how to make adjustments. Very, very much improved second half. Uh, Hard to maybe gauge too much based on the number of suspensions the Gators had in that particular football game, but uh, I think in general, a very strong start for a team that lost so many key players from last year.
2: All right, got to ask you to start off with uh, the baseball breakdown. We've talked about them all season because they have been the story in Major League Baseball. What in the world is up with the Dodgers? Is it time to hit the panic button?
5: Uh, It's time to be a little concerned if you're a Dodger fan. Now, seven straight losses. They've actually been, Clay, the worst team in the major leagues since the night of Rich Hill's lost perfect game last month. They've been the worst team in baseball since that point, Um, which is quite a statement to make based on how great they were for so long. Uh, the concern that I have is, is this. They have not been the same lineup since Corey Seager left the lineup with an elbow injury that hasn't healed yet, and while, he's, while he is expected to come back for the postseason, the question comes in what state is he going to be, will he be himself, will he be able to uh, hit for the power that he's always had, will he be able to defend and throw uh, the way that he has for so long, so... Those are the concerns that I have, Clay. It sounds like it's, it's possible the injury is certainly not Tommy John surgery for him uh, from a standpoint of what's going to be required to fix it, but he may need to have surgery during the offseason. So if that's the case, uh, he may be compromised in the playoffs. And I think we're seeing now, with the way they've played since his injury, Corey Seager may not have been getting the same headlines as a Cody Bellinger during, during the course of the season, but he is every bit as important, and, and right now they're just not the same team.
2: Wild card race. Um, as we come down the stretch, basically the American League is like everybody is still in the mix for the wild card. You can go all the way, certainly through the Mariners. Probably the Blue Jays are a little bit out of it, but I mean, and and then everybody from the Mariners, you got Kansas City, Tampa Bay, Texas, Baltimore, the Angels, Minnesota. Obviously, the Yankees are in right now, but it, it seems somewhat in decent shape. But it's crazy, like how. Uh, how packed this all is is this good for baseball this is certainly what they wanted or is it just like some of these teams you're looking at and saying man there's no way they belong in the postseason
5: well it is good for baseball Clay in that uh, I believe on the morning after Labor Day MLB uh, PR made this made the statement on Twitter that more teams were within three games of a playoff spot than at any point in time in the wild card era so we're seeing a historic level of if you want to call it parity, competitive balance, there are different ways to describe it, but it's it's keeping the enthusiasm for the game alive in more cities than ever, but then quite literally ever before. I mean, it has never been on this level. So I think that's all a very positive thing. Uh, it does, on a certain level, reward mediocrity. If you're in the American League and if you have a 500 record, I believe you are two games out of the second wild card. So for so much of of the league, the mentality is well. If we just stay around 500 into September, we're in this thing, um, and and I think that sometimes makes some challenging decisions uh, for for clubs. Mark Feinstein talked about this this week at MLB.com. That ha- really makes it a, a challenge for these GMs to decide on on moves at the deadline because now mediocrity is something to be. Uh, I don't know if "aspired to" is the right phrase, but it really is on that level. So uh, it, it creates some interesting incentives for the way the teams have to play. But I, I do believe, by and large, it 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 stimulates excitement. It it creates more positivity in in different markets. And uh, I, from a standpoint of of the game, the greater game, and 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 what it can do, any 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 uh, playoff structure, Clay, that allows Mike Trout to be part of it is probably good because I think for him to become the player that he can be as we've talked about earlier in the year he's got to get to the playoffs more often than the one time that he's been so far in his career
2: one of the storylines obviously that is uh kind of percolating out there is the cleveland indians and their insane run that they're on right now obviously the cubs won game seven and ended their drought cleveland trying to end their drought as well is this just lightning in a bottle or do the indians have the staying power to potentially finally end their long drought of championships as well?
5: Fifteen wins in a row, Clay. It's pretty remarkable what, what the Indians have done. And, and they do have the type of team, I believe, that can end the drought. I, I would point out two things in particular. Number one, they have Edwin Carnacion, who, of course, they did not have last year during the World Series and the playoffs, and they have a much better rotation. Last year during the playoffs and uh, the World Series in particular, they had to go to a three-man rotation. And by the end, when they lost games 5, 6, and 7, they were collectively on fumes. They just did not have enough left as a team. And and now they'll have a four-person rotation, four strong starters. Uh, Mike Clevenger has really emerged. Trevor Bauer has become much more reliable than he was last year to go along with Corey Kluber and, and Carlos Carrasco. and Carrasco was injured last October as well. So w- when you think about the addition of Encarnacion, and the return to health of Carrasco, neither of whom were were factors for the Indians last year in the World Series, Indians fans have every reason to be thrilled and excited about where their team is. And I think to the larger question, and you mentioned, Clay, the the drought uh, for the Indians going back to the 1940s from the standpoint of the World Series, well, the Astros have never won it in their history, and they go back to the 1960s, um, and our nation's capital has not won an MLB playoff series now of course uh, they didn't have they didn't have a team at all for a period of time but but still they have not even won a playoff series any washington dc based MLB team since the 1920s yeah. so there are a lot of uh, uh, different uh, groups of people who have a substantial amount of longing for baseball fans, and uh, there is a chance for one of them to be satisfied here this october
2: uh, last question for you because I know you've got to run out but what what would be the best possible scenario for baseball in general would be a Cubs and, uh, and a Red Sox World Series. Actually doesn't look ridiculous right now, right? The Cubs have kind of taken control of their division. Same thing is true of right now at least the AL East with what the Red Sox are doing. What kind of odds would you put on that being like the blockbuster to end all, be all, Wrigley Field, Fenway Park, home and home going on in the World Series? Is that possible?
5: Uh, possible, sure. Uh, I, I would say in terms of a chance of it happening, um, probably 10% or, or maybe even lower than that. Um, I, although I, I love the fact that Chris Sale has really come in there to Boston and, and obviously the, the, the full season he's put together has been phenomenal. Maybe not quite as dominant since the All-Star break, but, but he, he has been as advertised. Uh, a bit of a, uh, controversy here of late Clay, of course, with the, uh, sign stealing allegations, uh, given the the Apple watches in the dugout and the subterfuge there being alleged back and forth between the Yankees and Red Sox, which, which has certainly added another dimension to the rivalry there. Um, but I, I think the Red Sox probably have a better chance of, of making it to the World Series than the Cubs do. The Cubs, I, I, I worry about their rotation. Jake Arrieta, Uh, Of course, uh, in his last outing, he had a bit of a hamstring issue, so there's been some concern there. Um, John Lester is is just now kind of getting his footing back after an injury. So uh, the Cubs are showing some of that residue that you often see with with World Series winners, where they played so much baseball last year, their pitchers aren't quite as on point as they were in, in 2016 so I, I think the Cubs are going to have a tough time, especially against the Dodgers, who I believe will find their footing eventually. And the Nationals, the Nationals, Clay, they they have played exceptional baseball of late, uh, even without Bryce Harper. Uh, they've got two Cy Young candidates in Max Scherzer and Gio Gonzalez, in the Cy Young race right now in the in the National League, very wide open. With Scherzer set to pitch tonight, uh, given Kershaw's struggles last night, so uh, I, I think it's going to be the Nationals or the Dodgers representing the National League in the World Series and the Cubs as great as they were last year and as talented as they still are right now. I think it's going to be a bit of a challenge for them to get back.
2: Outstanding stuff as always. John Morosi. we'll talk to you next week.
5: Sounds great, Clay. Should be, uh, the Wolverines should be 2-0, my friend, but uh, uh, we, we have learned here on the 10th anniversary of the Appalachian State game uh, <laughs> there are no non-conference wins assumed in Ann Arbor any longer.
2: No kidding. Enjoy the game against Cincinnati. Fox Sports
1: Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Guess who's back? It's time. A.K.A. Mr. Make It Rain on the For Clay Travis to make us rich. I'm rich. Including the legendary, famous, well-known talk of the town most celebrated.
6: I'd buy that for a dollar. Blood.
1: Bank. Guaranteed.
2: No, I'm a shrinking violet. Kind of guy who doesn't like to draw attention to himself. Go stand in the wall. Stand in the corner when the music's playing, never really trying to uh, to create a stir, never really trying to create a scene. But, I have to brag a little bit here. 12-3 last week. 12-3 against the number. That's an 80% win percentage. By the way, OutKick VIP events coming up all over the country. We're going to Chicago, we're going to Nashville, we're going to New York. I sound like Howard Dean after he lost his first primary. We're going everywhere. Go sign up for Outkick VIP because you get these pickets on Sunday as soon as they come out, which means you end up with awesome numbers frequently. And I've got eight winners for you right here. And I got to tell you, one of the first ones that you need to pay attention to, Louisville came out as a five and a half point favorite against UNC. On Sunday on Outkick.com, I gave you Louisville minus five and a half. That line it's now up to Louisville minus 10. That line college football lines move a lot. Unlike the NFL where like the line comes out and by and large it just sticks, college football you can get a big advantage if you move aggressively on the numbers when they're released. And so Louisville minus 5 at UNC it's now Louisville minus 10. Bobby Petrino's boys are going to massacre the UNC Tar Heels. I'm sorry Larry Fedora, but it ain't going to be pretty. Bobby Petrino, Lamar Jackson, and Co., they are going to beat down. Big win for Louisville. All right, here we go. Fresno State, but by the way, you could have had Louisville minus five and a half and basically gone ahead and written that ticket, cashed it already before the game even starts. Fresno State going on the road at Alabama. Fresno State is a 43 and a half point underdog. I'm going Fresno State. 43-and-a-half is too many. All you need is one touchdown, maybe a field goal, and Fresno State's going to cover here. is a, Clay as a, as a proud cover? alum. As a proud alum of the, Fresno State. What do you think? Are you confident in me taking your boys plus 43-and-a-half? No. No? No. You're not even willing to take your own blessed alma mater with a 43-and-a-half point cushion?
1: They didn't beat a Division One program last
2: year. Too many. They're going to be better. They're going to be better. 43 and a half. I got faith in your team even if I don't, even if you don't. All right, so those are the games that aren't very good. All right, we got both of those games. Now we're going to get into the games that are actually pretty good. I take it back. Is it early in the? It's early in the clock for me to give you the blood bank guarantee, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. Mizzou is going to cover – I think that line is around two and a half or three right now. Mizzou's going to cover against South Carolina. They're going to win. And, but this is more important, the blood bank guarantee, the over in the Mizzou-South Carolina game, the over-under is around 73-ish, depending on where you look. I'm telling you, they're both going to score 40. South Carolina scoring 40 and Mizzou scoring 40. 49-42 is your final Mizzou over South Carolina. If you're listening on podcast or if you've been listening to us in the car for a while, you know OutKick's going to be on the road there this weekend. Our girl Hannah Yates. Look for the OutKick logo if you're going to be in Columbia, Missouri. And when you see her, you say, hey, I just want to say thank you to Clay Travis for making me rich and telling me that 49-42 is going to be this score and that the over was going to cash, and that Mizzou was going to make money. All right, here we go. Now we're going in. That's four picks that I've given you. To reiterate, Louisville's my side, Fresno State's my side, Mizzou, and the over in Mizzou, South Carolina. Now here come the big games. Auburn at Clemson. That line has now come down to five. I got it for you at Auburn plus seven. This is a massive game. All right, if you just break down in terms of the larger universe of college football, the ACC went 0-3 last week against the SEC. If Clemson loses at home to Auburn, all the goodwill that the ACC built up is dead because the state of Alabama will have massacred Florida State and Clemson. I tend to think Clemson's going to win this game, but... I love Auburn plus the points. And it would not shock me at all if the Gus bus and Gus Malzahn rolled into Death Valley and left with a W. So if Auburn's going to be good this year, this is their opportunity to kind of signify that, to serve notice, hey, we're back, and we're taking names, and we don't care who sees it happen. Auburn, plus seven, now down to plus five. Georgia, the Bulldogs, On the road against Notre Dame. And we got Jacob Eason, who was their all-everything, five-star quarterback, out now for multiple weeks. And as a result, we've got a new quarterback rolling in. And his name is Jake Fromm. And it's a sign of how well-recruited Georgia is at the position that I don't even think they're going to drop anything here. Georgia came out as a -a six-and-a-half-point underdog. That was way too little. It's now down to around Georgia as a four-point underdog. I think the Bulldogs are going to win this game outright. Not just cover, but win this game outright. They're going to rely on Nick Chubb. They're going to rely on Sony Michelle. They are going to pound the rock against Notre Dame. And I think Georgia has better talent than Notre Dame. And if you get the team with better talent and you get them as nearly a touchdown underdog like we did, I don't have any faith at all in Brian Kelly or Notre Dame. I think that Georgia is going to win this game outright on the road in South Bend. And a couple more big games Oklahoma against Ohio State. Last year, the Buckeyes went on the road and obliterated Oklahoma. All right, there's no doubt at all. If you watch that game, probably the best game that Ohio State played last year, honestly. Not sold on JT Barrett. I am sold on Baker Mayfield. I love Urban Meyer as a coach. Not sold, obviously, on Lincoln Riley in his first year. Only his second game. This is a bet based on the quarterback position. I am taking Oklahoma plus seven in this one because I believe in Baker Mayfield, even though he got tackled by a Fayetteville police officer and wrecked in the offseason. Oklahoma's going to bounce back. And finally... Stanford at USC, Stanford plus six ish. I love Stanford here. They've won three straight. They're the more physical team, and USC has not beaten Stanford by more than six points since two thousand and eight. So roll with Stanford. Those are my eight picks. We're going eight zero, baby. When you people say, "Oh, you can't trust Clay Travis. He's an ass. I don't like him. He's a jerk," you say, "No, that ain't you. That ain't right. Clay Travis loves me." He gives me gifts every single week during college football season, and he's trying to bring down Vegas through the OutKick Army. We're the tip of the spear, boys and girls, and we're going 8-0 this weekend.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific.
2: It's that time, boys and girls. Let's play the music. Your voicemails. Let's roll.
6: I hate you, Travis Clay, but I love it when you start talking about the weather and geography your comments about uh, the desert not being cold is way off base, man. Antarctica is the largest desert in the world.
2: You never know what people are going to be upset about. Let's keep it rolling.
7: This is Jay Con of Memphis, Clay. You are a f-ing liar. You do not sleep on no Casper mattress. Everybody knows you're sleeping on a sleep number. Or a Tempur-Pedic, and you don't even use Dollar Shave Club because look at your hobo-looking ass beard. Unless you're shaving your testicles, which you wouldn't need the executive blade. Just <laughs> need that one little single blade. Probably take you all of fifteen seconds.
2: <laughs> I do sleep on a Casper mattress, and I do use the Dollar Shave Club. And I don't shave my testicles. Too dangerous. I thought it was important that you were there
4: I thought it was important that you would be able to get those points out. To uh, thi- <laughs> detract from that call.
3: Last thing wait, I'm wait, going to What do, do, do you use the razor on? Just your neck? Is,
2: yeah, just my <laughs> neck. Last thing I'm going to do is put a razor near my my balls. Let's be honest. Like, can I say that? Last thing I'm doing is, is risking that danger. I don't want I don't want any, I, like I don't want to be like somebody to be like we got a bleeder. Uh, I don't want to, There's something about Mer- Mary situation going on down there. So, uh, but yeah, just on my neck. I mean, like, I trim my beard with a beard trimmer, and then uh, I tr- I shave my neck. Um, and one of the reasons why I stopped shaving, uh, why I grew a beard, is just I hate shaving, right? And Dollar Shave Club takes care of that because, man, you really, when you're shaving every day, it's just a miserable existence. You're just shaving, you know, like you're ripping part of your skin off, so you want the best possible blades, which is what Dollar Shave Club's got. Thank, do, by the way. do
3: I mark this down as a commercial? Uh, you Should, say, is this Brad an ad read?
2: <laughs> Casper, Casper.com. Go get your mattress, just <laughs> like the one I sleep on. You know what? You know what's true? You get a new mattress, your wife's more likely to have sex with you on it. That's science. That's science. Everybody knows that. Take it to the bank. Casper.com. You want to have sex, you go buy a new mattress. That's the story. What else we got?
8: You are so f- cheap. What the hell is your problem? Flying to f***ing. You should have flew to f- Atlanta on their private jet and had a town car. Your cheap ass drove some f- little Prius down I-24 with all that traffic. You're a f- multi-multi-multi-millionaire as you never tire of telling us. Hey, I'm a lawyer. I'm a millionaire. I'm a lawyer. Hey, did I ever tell you I'm a lawyer? I practice law in the Caribbean. Yeah, 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 yeah. We know you're rich. We know you're a lawyer. And we know you're f- cheap ass. And you go and buy your kids some cheap-ass p- Eclipse glasses when you could have rented the whole p- top of the museum here in Nashville? <laughs> Come on, bro. Quit being so p- damn cheap. And look, I don't... look at poor Jason. He's lost all that weight because he's not eating because you get on his damn nerves so much. And you're so cheap you probably don't pay him. And he's lost all that weight. He's not having sex. He's a good guy, man. Quit being so p- cheap. You p- Actually, I really love you. You're the only liberal I ever listened to.
2: You know, I don't know why people think that I would be flying private. Like, do people know what flying private costs? Like, yes, I'm rich now, but I used to be poor. And it's you have to be insanely rich to fly private, right? I don't think people understand how much that costs. Like, when I flew, when I went to Europe on vacation, people are like, how come you just didn't fly a private plane? Because it costs like $400,000 to have a private plane take you to Europe. It's insanely expensive. You can be rich. I'm not, like, filthy rich. I don't have private jet money. I wish I did. Maybe one day I will, but I don't have it yet. So I had to drive in a car like a normal guy. That's what I am. All right, let's keep going. Hey, Clay, why is it when you put your lawyer hat on, it's always white and pointy? And what you do is go to four years <laughs> of law,
6: four-year degree, two years of law school, pass the bar, and you're like, why can't I wear flip-flops? And once you find out Danny G's grandmother was mixed-race, you're the one who wrote up your search warrant. And Danny G, you said all they found in the search was waffles? Where the hell did your fat ass grandmother live? I hop! And then, Clay, you're whacking about. I just flipped six stations from ESPN. It's not because you're good, it's because you suck worse. That's like a contest between Justin Cooper farting after eating Wendy's chicken sandwiches all day and Danny G's grandmother farting after eating waffles all day. There's no winners, only losers. Peace! Pussy willows.
2: It was actually – that was a great call. We actually flipped eight ESPN stations, not six, leaving the ESPN radio people curled up in the fetal position crying. I did write the warrant for Danny G's grandmother. Danny, defend your grandmother.
3: Well, she was a large woman, but (laughs) – (laughs)
2: <laughs> he, he, he is for- your grandma's dead you just made fun of your grandma like live on may, the radio may she rest-
3: Tack McKinley. may she rest in peace but he forgot about the bibles i said bibles and waffles so it'd be more like roscoe's chicken and waffles not an <laughs> ihop because roscoe's is is a religious experience
2: I've been to Roscoe's. All right, we gotta go to break. We're gonna have more of your hate mail next as we do every single Friday to finish the show. Hope you guys are having a spectacular Friday morning. If you're not, probably people hating me is gonna make your Friday spectacular. You'll hear more of that next on Fox Sports Radio.
8: Clay you f- Tennessee Homer f- talking about putting a panic button on Florida. They had ten f- damn players suspended. They're f- Number one running back, number one receiver, who took over for Tennessee's offense to lead that game back to Georgia Tech. Callaway in the running back. Dormy looked like, shit. yeah. Florida's quarterback looked like. Shit. They looked like shit. ever since Tim Tebow. Yeah, they still win the the SEC East every year. It may not be 11 in a row, but by God, 11 out of 12 here, the third Saturday in September. Be ready, bitch. D Bap. <laughs>
2: Uh, 855-500-CLAY, by the way, is that phone number. You can react to any game that you want. Jason Martin hears the voicemails. I don't. That Florida fan seems a little bit nervous. Should be. Steam sucks.
6: Yeah. Hi, Jason. How you doing? Good work. Clay, listen. I Okay. This is Lee Nebcut. All right. I've called in a few times. You probably won't hear this. But guess what? It is Wednesday, September 6th. All right. Your time of the day is probably like 9 a.m. Wednesday, all right? Now, you did one of your daily personal podcasts Monday and Tuesday. Monday and Tuesday. Well, guess what? You haven't put those damn things up on the iTunes yet. So, therefore, I can't listen to them again. What the f*** is wrong with you, man? Huh? Are you, like, too busy Sulking that you lost your show on XM to that <laughs> Nick Wright, uh, and you're okay. And this is another thing. Nick Wright takes your your radio show <clears throat> on XM, right? But yet you stop criticizing Nick Wright. You stop. You stop mentioning talking like da da, da da da, calling him a bitch, which he is. How come, Clay? Are you being a about it? Hmm. Clay, you being a. Mm-hmm. Clay, you being a pussy willow, you being one of those pussy willows, did Fox tell you you can't talk bad about him, I thought Fox wasn't your boss, I thought you were your own boss, Clay, huh, Clay, you your own boss, but yet you still can't talk about Nick Wright, huh, scared, huh, you scared you little pussy willow cat, man up Clay, get your show back on XM, and get your podcast podcast. On iTunes immediately. Quit being
2: lazy about it, my hell. Uh, my hope is that everything's going to be resolved with Sirius XM by next week. I don't know the official the, the machinations. I know that they are in the process of moving us to a new station so you can hear all three hours on satellite radio. Uh, in terms of uh, of the show that is now on, on FS1, it had the lowest debut <laughs> in the history of any national sports TV show that has ever existed. Yikes. Keep rolling.
7: Play like, two things. Okay, first of all, what the f-? okay? I mean, listen to you every day. You know, you, you're just super funny and hilarious. And you got all these uh, uh, crazy theories. And, uh, you know, then you just take it away from me. And you don't even give me any forewarning that uh, you're not going to be on satellite radio anymore. That was, uh, you dropped the ball big time. I mean, just huge, okay? Second of all, you talk about all this uh, diversity of thought matters, blah, 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 you know, it's kind of hypocritical. You got Jason Martin on there. All he does is you go, okay, let's go to Jason Martin. Oh, I couldn't agree more, Clay. Here, <laughs> let me wash your ball for you. Here you go. Yeah. Let me help you. Uh, let me just agree with everything you have to say because that's all I'm good for along with getting... Uh, uh, countries mixed up and then repeating stories over the radio um you know that's why I'm getting so many mistakes because I'm just waiting like a puppy dog to just sit there and be like oh yes clay you're right
2: Jason Martin sometimes you disagree
4: I, I, mean, do. I say all,
2: I say all the time you don't have to agree with me you can be wrong and sometimes Let's... Jason Martin is wrong
4: <laughs> okay well literally we disagree on sports but a lot of the social stuff, we do generally have the same opinion. And the one thing people don't realize is if you talk for 25 minutes and then you come to me like, Jason Moore, do you agree with this? I'm like, well, let me pick one of the 900 points that you just made because there's not a 901st out there for me to have where you name like 700 teams or something like that. It's like I've got to pick one of them. A lot of people – I don't know how many times – I get this criticism either on Twitter or whatever that all I do is agree with you. I don't think that's the case, but we haven't talked as much about the games as of late because the games we care about are just now starting. That's where we'll actually have some disagreement. But stuff like Kaepernick and, and all of this, like, we're kind of simpatico on that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that.
2: Yeah, right. And I mean, look, Danny G and, uh, and Justin certainly step in and share their agreements, too, or disagreements. Like, here's the other thing, and now Eddie Garcia, too. Uh, The other thing I would say is um, on the satellite radio front, the reason why I didn't say anything in advance is my hope was that it was going to be completely resolved and I would be able to come on and just say, hey, now flip your stations to X. And I still think that's going to happen next week, hopefully, but I know it's in the process of being resolved. This wasn't a Fox Sports Radio decision. It wasn't a serious XM decision it was a Fox Sports decision that they want to put TV on their satellite station, same way that Skip Bayless is on. I tend to think that's bad radio, not because television's bad, uh, but just because television on the radio is bad. Now, calhoun's a different example because he's an, old, he's an awesome radio show host, and his show works really well both ways. You can't tell the difference. The others, not so much. All right, what we got? Do we have time for more?
7: Yeah, you Pro- know uh- – this is Matt from Colorado. The one thing that really teased me off out of everything, and I'm surprised no one's mentioned this, is that Clay's kid just turned 10 years old and we haven't heard about it. I mean, I've been saying to myself for the past year that Clay Travis has three kids, nine, six, and a two-year-old. Now I have to change that and he doesn't even let me know? I mean, come on. I don't understand this. This is ridiculous. I'm out.
2: You know what's funny is, uh, this is pretty ridiculous, but we have a double birthday party this weekend. My 9-year-old won't turn 10 until after the first of the year, but my 6-year-old's about to turn 7, and my 2-year-old's about to turn 3. So soon I will have a 9, 7, and 3-year-old, which is definitely going to make everybody's world a lot more difficult. Sunday birthday party at the Travis household. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.